and get that pocket, get that pocket, all of a sudden, trying. And sometimes I'm not squashed by now. Put a little ting in your ting tang. <laughs> That's good. Yep, checking everyone's sand. <laughs> no. No. Talky Talk, the podcast for the media by us.com. Joining me for this week's episode are Brent, hey. TJ, Yo, Chris, Hello, and myself, David. Thanks for joining us. Mm. I never have a good thing ready right there. <laughs> you never have a good thing. Transition. Transition. <laughs> so the homework last week dovetails into our main topic this week. Uh, it is The Third Man, a Brent assignment assigned it. It is a 1949 movie directed by Carol Reed, and it is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. First, just uh, kind of going around the room quick that we can get into it. What did you guys think of it? Uh, I'll go first since I assigned it. It was the third time I'd seen it, and I think the first two times I had not really, I don't know, I think I sort of casually watched it, and Mm -hmm. this was the first time I really tried to watch it with a critical eye, and I think it enhanced it for me a lot. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really good. And I can get into a while later, but I loved it. I think it's the kind of movie that requires an active watch, Mm -hmm. because you have... Um, you know, it's in, set in Vienna, and you have the four quadrants. There's a lot in foreign languages. A lot of it is about people who can't understand each other, and mm-hmm. there's some accents and stuff there, so you can miss a lot of yeah. important stuff if you're not actively in it. That's what I did. That's, yeah. that's the angle that I took. We wanted to capture all perspectives. So. Yeah, so I kind of half-watched it this morning, a little hungover on the couch, falling asleep, on and off. Because of that, I didn't really like it that much. <laughs> yeah. But I only watched an hour of it, so. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Parts of it aged extremely well, and I feel like other Parts of it don't. I think it's shot beautifully. I mean, like the production design is amazing. The just the way the city looks is really cool and done really well. And I think the main two guys, Harry Lime and Playboy and Wells, and the main dude, uh, Holly Martin, fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, they were both really good. And it's an early, like big, like twisty movie, and that's cool. It holds up. That aspect of it definitely mm-hmm. does. I, it almost. I wonder if it's almost that effect is a little bit lost on us because. For some of the reviews I read at the time, locally especially, were like, this plot's not logical. Like, people saw the twist, and I think we're like, no, that's mm-hmm. not how movies work. It's, you know I what I mean? Yeah, for me, it's not as much about the twist as just, as much as, like, how we can kind of... Maybe, I almost wonder if the audience is supposed to see it before Holly is. Like, because Holly is just... His whole character is just, like, blind optimism. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he's a Western novel writer. Yeah. And... He's, he's also the American there. Yeah. And it's just sort of being like, uh, the American is just blindly optimistic about this whole situation. And like, he, he's unwilling to think the worst about his friend. Yeah. Like, everybody else sees it. Everybody in <sighs> Vienna sees Harry Lime for what he is. Holly doesn't. I think maybe that's the point. I think maybe we, even as the audience, are supposed to like, if, at the beginning, we're on his side. And then on Holly's side, they're like, oh, he's got to investigate what happened to his friend. Eventually, throughout the movie, we're just like, uh, I'm pretty sure his friend's just a dick. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you get that, but I think you also get some kind of aspect of, like, if he sticks to that and just kind of leaves and ignores it, you know what I mean? And I think you get that when he's giving the lecture or whatever, and the guy's like, he's like, I'm writing a new book based on facts, like a murder mystery, and the guy's like, you should stick to fiction. Yeah. You should just leave this alone. Everybody keeps everybody keeps telling him to leave. Yeah. Everybody. He right. This is like, you should go. Because they all have, like, different reasons. The police are just, they just want Harry Lamb out of the picture. Right. And they mm-hmm. almost don't want, they, they don't care. He's dead to them. Yeah. He's done. And then all Harry Lamb's friends are have their own motivations, obviously. They're right. just like, please don't look into this. Just let it go. Can I ask two questions? Yeah. One, Orson Welles is in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> and two, what's the twist? <laughs> right. For the first one, Orson Welles is in the movie, and it's kind of like a uh, Silence of the Lambs type thing, where, you know, we've talked about it before, Anthony Hopkins is only in 15 minutes in the movie, yeah. but like one best lead actor. Yeah. I think... This is probably the the father of that kind of role. But the whole movie is built around this character. And if you watch the first, I think he doesn't come into it until an hour into the movie. Yeah, it's not it's not a twist ending, but it's it's, it's about halfway through. Yeah, so halfway through, you finally meet Orson Welles, who is Harry Lyme. Spoiler alert for a movie from 1949. Yeah, <laughs> but he, before that, he he looms so large over it that even after the movie. I mean, I think Orson Welles is in more of it than he actually is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even knowing that he only appears halfway throughout, every character has a conversation that is about him or related to him or an effect of him. Mm-hmm. Orson Welles is also really good once you get to it. Yeah. yeah. When, once he has his first his first uh, encounter with Holly Martins yeah. on the Ferris wheel, yeah. is like a Ferris master class of... Yeah. It's... And it's ahead of its time acting because Joseph Cotton, the actor, and Orson Welles, they're they're talking back and forth about like morality and opportunity, and they're kind of like talking over each other a little bit, yeah. which is kind of ahead of its time for that time period. You don't never had that kind of conversational realism in that. During yeah, that's really good. During that scene, I love the part where uh, Harry opens the door. Uh, he kind of makes a vague reference to killing Holly mm-hmm. and like shoving him out the door. Eventually, the Holly says, uh, "I've told the police," or the police dug up the, the body, dug up the your coffin, and you just see Harry just like close the door. It's like, yeah. "Never mind, <laughs> I can't kill you yeah. now." Before and then he's, he's like, "It'd be so easy to just push you out." And yeah. after that, he's like, "But um, we're friends. You're being foolish. I would never kill you." Right. <laughs> and yeah. he does it with like his whole character has like a smirk and a charm about him. Like when yeah. you first see his face lit up, not only is it like, well, it's a shock in the plot that he's alive. But he like smirks over to Holly like yeah that's just his character and the thing I was reading afterwards this was a big movie for Scorsese and it's kind of about the the charm of evil about there's like active evil because this is like steeped in World War Two it's post war Vienna mm-hmm. it's not even a decade after World War Two super cool <laughs> he's, the idea of the he's exploiting cool. a broken town for his yeah. own game yeah. and you have active rubble that they run across yeah. there's steps that are like broken broken buildings in the background I think it was originally going to be shot on uh, sets and they, they made the decision to go to post-war Vienna yeah which makes like the the dichotomy of the American Holly, which I think you're you're right on the money is it is essential to the plot that he's kind of an optimistic novelist versus everyone in Vienna actually went through World War II. So there's a weariness and cynicism that is kind of at odds with the Holly character. I also like how Holly is uh, pretty sure he's got it all or is figuring it all out throughout the entire movie. And at the same time, constantly needs translation because he mm-hmm. doesn't understand anything that's being said to him. So he keeps asking, like, 
people will bark things in German to him, and there's no translation on the screen for it. And then if he doesn't have someone there to translate German, he doesn't understand. And also, uh, you were talking about communication being a theme in the movie, and people call each other by the wrong names constantly throughout the movie. Yeah, Love interest Anna Mm -hmm. calls Holly Harry several times. Holly calls the British policeman... Callahan. Callahan instead of Callaway yeah. numerous times. <laughs> Proof! And then... Uh, he tried. Even the, uh, even the doctor, Winkle, <clears throat> he corrects him. He's like, it's Winkle. Yeah. Don't see or... I mean, not notice because it's blatantly obvious, but that uh, Anna has... The, she's kind of the polar opposite of uh, Martin's in that she refuses to see Harry Lyme as good but also doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, no, the, she's the exact just, opposite. She's of, just in, yeah. like completely in love with him, right. and loyal to him. I think her character gives us a better idea of like. I think she's the one that that shows us how Vienna sucks in 1949 with all her her papers and that whole issue mm-hmm. that comes up in the movie. And uh, also, one of, I, I wrote down two quotes from her. Which uh, one is Harry said I laugh too much and you don't see her. She's so sad in the movie. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So she's like so she was clearly like full of life with him. Uh, and she also uh, is a comedic actress in the movie. And she also says I don't play tragedy, which uh, I thought were interesting. Yeah. Quotes that added depth to Anna's mm-hmm. character. And then that that final shot at the the second funeral. Her ignoring him. Yeah. Yeah. That is a yeah. that is a great. Final yeah. shot of a movie. The movie is filled with those dichotomies, both like in the, with the plot and theme and visually. Because earlier in the movie, you have Anna. Anna could leave, goes on the train, uh, sees yeah. Holly, and comes back. And at the end, Holly could leave, sees Anna, gets out of the car, and goes to her. The only thing is, Anna has been through enough that the kind of hopefulness of possible love is not enough for her. What did you think And of- she's still, like, she's still um, loyal to, to Harry, who is, like, a, a scumbag, and oh, yeah. who actively betrayed her. Right. What did you think of the cinematography? It is, like, some of the most gorgeous black and white fo- photography yeah. I've ever seen. All the streets are, like, always after a rain, so with the black and white, like, the wet cobblestone is just, it's, it's like, silver on the screen. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, and I'd, I'd probably need more time reflecting on it to uh, kind of figure out exactly what it means. But I noticed that when a lot of the the pretty shots mm-hmm. were just normal, I mean they were they were gorgeous, but they were the the angle was normal. <laughs> Whereas when he's trying to investigate Harry and what happened to Harry, there's lots of like sideways shots almost, mm-hmm. uh, or yeah. like. And in fact, I was reading, and apparently some other. Critics and uh, directors hated the, that when it came out. And uh, some director I read mailed a level to nice. to uh, the guy who made The Third Man uh, and said, feel free to use this on your next film. Help keep things even. Nice. So, yeah. I, I do like the, uh, the the odd angles for, for the shots. I think it means that Harry is never can never find his footing. He's always learning that uh, someone was lying to him or there's more than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that too, how just everybody in the movie is just so, un- they just seem so untrustworthy throughout the entire film. Except for maybe the, the porter, the older man, works at where Harry lived. Because he's just the one guy who's like, I'll tell you everything I know. Come on in. And then he, rem- and then he, does. And then he remembers one more thing. And he's like, oh, I need to tell you one more thing. Come by tonight. And he gets murdered. Yeah. By Harry, I assume. 
He also delivers the title of the movie, it which was is something I love. Third, third man. man. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say it? Even Ali said, "Like yeah. my new novel is going to be the third man." All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like it reached a point where it didn't mean anything. How often people are like, "But what about the third man?" We're just <laughs> talking third man, the third man. I, I would imagine, though, like for audiences at the time, it was pretty. Considering the title of the movie, you're thinking. You're, you're thinking the whole thing is about trying to find this third, this mysterious third person, mm-hmm. and you're probably not expecting the twist of the third person is Harry, right? Faking his death, yeah. But yeah, I loved it. Also, love the the Orson Welles improvised quote uh, in the movie. I don't know if it's improvised, but I know he wrote it and mm-hmm. wanted it in about the uh, the Borgias. Uh, yeah, that was great. That line yeah. of uh, Italy had hundreds of years of bloodshed. It produced. Da Vinci, Michelangelo, the Renaissance. The Renaissance. Switzerland's had 500 years of democracy, and they've produced a cuckoo clock. And that's his, uh, <laughs> it's it's his, like his, his defense of himself, like, basically. So long, old man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, adios. <laughs> I love just the, the conversation that first wheel, everything around that is so cool. Yeah. I think it's, it's uh, like I said, a movie of dichotomy. You got this like serious film noir in a ravaged town, and you have like this jaunty I think ironic zither score that was famous at oh, the time the score is incredible it's, yeah, a, it's like really a deep sense of irony throughout it I think as Americans and Westerners we want to idealize with the or sympathize with the kind of the anti-hero Harry Lyme is the is would be a perfect American anti-hero he's like an opportunist he makes his own way he takes advantage but he is evil you know it's not an active mustache twirling evil but it is a evil of apathy and I love the quote he has in the Ferris wheel it's like look at all those and it's at the top of the Ferris wheel like look at those dots if I gave you $20,000 so one of those dots stopped moving you know would you do it what if it was five of those dots talking about the people below yeah Yeah. because he's stealing uh, medicine from the war hospital and diluting it so when people take the medicine they die and later on like uh, Holly sees pictures of children who used his medicine and they got uh, disease and they like died horrible deaths it kind of like brings you to focus with like why would you sympathize with these kind of anti-heroes right they, I, I looked it up afterwards it's one of Roger Ebert's favorite movies yeah. of all time he said Harry Lyon was the number one villain of all time in in his list I think for that reason is he's so complex that he's like instantly charismatic. You want to connect with him because right. he's Orson Welles. He's like, you know, a magnetic Jesus personality. Yeah. His evil may be even worse, like the evil of apathy and like war profiteering than like, I don't know, a uh, Hannibal Lecter type. Hannibal Lecter yeah. type. Where Dark you, know, you see it yeah. coming. Right. Where that kind of evil is not going to ingratiate into your life. Right. Or into like the lifeblood of a city. Neat. Fun pick though. Yeah, it was nice getting that classic movie. Yeah. And I will say, uh, I think there was some discussion about this this movie before. I think it's I think it's a classic. It's 100% Rotten Tomatoes. I think it probably deserves it. But a lot of people say like, I heard this movie was good. You know, it didn't live up to the expectations. I think if you ever find yourself mentally saying like, I heard this was good... It means that you are challenging the movie to be good, and you got to consider context. Like, you can't have those two things that aren't considered at the same time. you got to view a classic in 1949 standards if you're saying, like, this was supposed to be good, or this is supposed to be a classic. It's assuming you're talking about history at that point. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing, like, I heard Citizen Kane was good. It's not as good as I thought. It's like, it's supposed to be because in, like, 1941, that was groundbreaking. Right. Yeah, I was, I was surprised with how much I enjoyed the story of this one once I delved into it and, and watched it closely uh, because I kind of thought it was similar to Citizen Kane going in mm-hmm. and I thought it was going to be more about form and 
groundbreaking in this way and that way. And it was, mm-hmm. but it was a very enjoyable story. Uh, I like the thriller aspect of it. It's one of the earliest thrillers that I just really, really like. It was Indeed. great. Oh, and just and for as far as like action goes, the the chase scene in the sewer is like literate. I don't want to say literally thrilling. It's it's very thrilling. Even even today, how he's he's getting like uh, hemmed in at every point, yeah. cornered, and it's all with like static cameras, people running past, and like the shadow work is so good. You see people's shadows exaggerated, like huge, or like you know off in the distance, you just see their shadow. People stepping out. Well, you know, you're talking about how he looms over the movie, and he looms over the movie even when he's not there, mm-hmm. and that's almost like manifested on screen when. You see this, they're waiting, they're, they're set the trap for him, mm-hmm. and you see this massive shadow against this building, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, it's him, it's him, they're going to spring the trap, and it's just an old dude selling balloons, yeah. mm-hmm. and in a way, it's like, oh my god, we're thinking it's Harry Lamb even when it's, even when he's right. not there. Right. Surprised that the balloon salesman profession has really gone down. <laughs> Unemployment for that position is just... Well, especially just in a war-ravaged Vienna <laughs> yeah. is... Sometimes everybody need balloons. needs balloons. <laughs> At night. <laughs> I like that he just goes to cops and badgers them until they purchase balloons from him. Well, and I took that as Harry Lyon probably paid that guy to buy yeah. those guys. Yeah. So he could, you know, he slips in the back of the cafe to, to talk to the guy and gets uh, tipped off. By Anna. Yeah, so it's like I said with the beginning, I think it, I think part of it, I think there are most aspects of that movie age incredibly well, and that there are some parts that, like, I would not put it in the same level as, like, movies from even before that. Casablanca? Casablanca, I think, has a notch up. Even, like, Wizard of Oz, I think, has a notch up. Um, uh, maybe it happened one night, too. I, uh... I mean, I think it's fantastic, maybe you're wrong, but... I would probably have it above some of those. I think Casablanca is interesting because I found myself comparing it a lot to Casablanca during the movie, like the theme post of World War Two. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's it's it's. And you got an American interloper in post World War Two, and you have Europeans who actually went through it. Yeah, you've got. Uh, I feel like Hollis is kind of the anti-Rick. Yeah. To me, in this, in, yeah. in that, like he just craves romance and is also unwilling to see things for what they are. Yeah, Rick's more Anna. If you're mm-hmm. comparing characters, yeah, this happens to not be in love with a evil person. Yeah, and neither one gets the girl at the end. But it's I think for different reasons. Casablanca is like, even though it, it the girl, the guy doesn't get the girl at the end, it ends kind of hopeful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third man has a kind of, but it's kind of ahead of its time for making maybe a truer ending. It's yeah. almost you know ends on a down note. And I love the final scene. Her just walking by, really he lights a cigarette, throws the match away. Like that's life. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I know we talked about it being rated, you know, 100 on Rotten Tomatoes. I wonder how much of that is, you know, obviously this movie came out before Rotten Tomatoes, but I wonder how much of like bias there is in cinema classics and like these like legends. Like no one is going to write a retrospective critique of a movie in 1949 and go, eh, eh give it a 2.5 out of five. Oh yeah, I wonder. If, I wonder if there's there's some some selection bias in what gets put into Rotten Tomatoes. Like absolutely, and, and collects critical reviews because there's no reason to even go back and look at a mediocre movie from 1949. Yeah. So if you're going back, you're going to go back and choose to look at the ones that are worth it to begin with. So, yeah. You know, you're going to have a positive bias going into it. And probably the reason this gets modern reviews are if it's released on like a special Criterion edition collection DVD. Like yeah. And I, so that's why. I think that's. I think that's why it's high. I don't think that's why it's a hundred, though. Right? No, I'm yeah. not saying. But like, I, I would be curious to know what if, if at all, there's Rotten Tomatoes preserves historical reviews 
and uses those, or if it's just like new critics, like publicly available. That's a good question. Some of them are. I mean, a lot of them are new. Like I know the the Chicago. what was Ebert's paper? Tribune? Wasn't he the Tribune? It's, it's either the Tribune or Sun-Times. Mm-hmm. And uh, their review was from a like an active today, a modern movie reviewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also just understanding that uh, it doesn't mean the movie is perfect, but right. it means every critic recommends recommends the movie yeah, right, like for it. someone to watch it. Yeah. There's still that blows my mind out some movies aren't, more movies aren't 100%. Yeah. Like who gave a bad review to Casablanca or Wally? Yeah, like, like who said you? Who saw Wally and was like, "This movie's garbage." <laughs> you shouldn't see Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> it's not worth your time. Right, it's just it's weird. So then, rather than make just like a, a base, like ask a question and not have any kind of answer, it looks like the reviews for the Third Man do go back a little bit mm-hmm. um, and predate Rotten Tomatoes. So they 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 scoop some old reviews, but earliest and just getting to it now is November twelfth, two thousand two. It did get really good reviews when it came out. I'm in, sure in the U.S. Uh, yeah. Locally, it was like hated. Yeah, locally, Vienna. Yeah, yeah, because it's viewed as like over here. There's a like an ironic mix of tone of like comedy, right, and uh, the noir stuff. But I think in uh, Europe, it's viewed as a tragedy mm-hmm. but, because of the and, setting. But Anna doesn't do tragedies. Huh? Uh, Further irony. <laughs> Someone call Linus Morissette. <laughs> Hey, Alanis, you know that song you've been working on? (laughs) 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 Anyway, so I think that's a great discussion about the third man. So we're going to segue into uh, what we've been watching. I can go ahead and kick it off. I uh, didn't watch too much stuff. I did watch two movies that kind of premiered on Netflix. I watched uh, the two movies I watched. The first one was... uh, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It's like uh, the actor who was in Jeremy Saulnier's movies, like uh, Green Room, Blue Ruin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, this is a uh, debut, and it's got Melanie Linsky in it. I love her. She's a nurse who uh, takes rudeness and slights of the world to heart. She gets her house broken into. They steal her laptop and her grandmother's silverware, and she take this, takes this as like she snaps and wants to get justice for like herself and the world. Mm-hmm. And she enlists, like, uh, Elijah Wood, who's, like, a uh, natural-born eccentric. He's got crazy sunglasses and facial hair, and he has ninja stars. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> but uh, it goes on from there. I recommend it. I don't know that it's, uh, you know, it's not 100% on Rotten Tomatoes classic. <laughs> but I, I think it's it's pretty stylish for a debut. I think it's pretty well done. Nice. Uh, I think uh, Ashley just watched that this week, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She, she enjoyed it. Yeah. So... Pretty good. It's got some good twists. It takes the uh, does a good job of it's kind of like a neighborhood noir of expanding, uh, you know, a small slight and then going out and rooting out kind of a evil in the world. Mm, neat. And it goes to some goes to some neat places. I think it's you know it's a pretty confident debut from this guy who's just an actor in some indie movies so far. Pretty cool. Other movie I watched was uh, The Discovery. Uh, you guys see this movie? No. Um, if it's if you see it on Netflix uh, being promoted, it's the one with Jason Segel has a bunch of uh, cables running from his head. Oh, yeah, yeah, Is it the new movie? Is it about, uh, is it Rooney Mara? Yeah, Rooney okay. Mara's in it. Um, it's about, like, uh, it's one of those uh, small-scale science fiction movies that I like. It's like a what-if. It's like, what if, the what-if in this movie is, what if the afterlife was scientifically proven to be a fact? Is it like, how would people's behaviors change? How would people's, how would the world be different? And it takes kind of a micro-view of... Uh, the main scientist who proves this is Robert Redford, who is wow. secretly in this, and it's the best he's been since, I don't know, Spy Game. <laughs> it's the best he's been in a while for me, at least. Nice. 
But uh, I think Jason Siegel's a little miscast a little bit. But uh, Rudy Mayer is good, and I just like these kind of movies. It tells a small story. You know, part of the impact is if the afterlife is proven, there's mass suicides. Like, over a span of four years, like, four million people kill themselves because they want to get to the afterlife faster, especially if they have a shitty life and they know the afterlife exists. They want to get there. If it's scientifically proven, there's just some, like, small things like that. There's a uh, Anne Rice book. I think it's Mimnock. It has this like weird flashback scene where the devil and Jesus are talking in the woods, mm-hmm. and the devil is telling Jesus like, "You have to understand that all these people don't have your luxury of knowing." Mm-hmm. And then it transports to the future. They have proven the afterlife, and <laughs> this rush of vampires that run outside in the daylight, mm-hmm. <laughs> like this mass suicide of vampires as soon mm-hmm. as they prove the afterlife. But yeah, it's a it's a interesting. That's super. Cool. I know I did that. And it kind of like uh, it doesn't tell like you know what's going on in Japan or Asia. Right, right. It's really focused on Jason Siegel, who's the son of Robert Redford in it, and he meets uh, meets Rooney Mara on a on a ferry and kind of takes it from there. It's kind of got a uh, it's got a twist to it because what can I watch that doesn't have a twist? <laughs> it's both like it's weird at the same time it, the twist is kind of an eye roll, but it's also earned and it kind of does something interesting. Huh. I'm excited to watch it. It's yeah, fun. it's you know it's you know an hour and a half. It's on Netflix, and you know I think it's worth it. It's the same director who did the one I love movie I talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Had the Duplass in it, the dupe, the dupe, the duper. <laughs> Besides that, I just caught up on some TV. I was watching some Vikings, which uh, I wrote an article about it. It's kind of filling a void for Game of Thrones. Nice, being delayed till July. You know, it's nice being around uh, violence, sex, power grabs, and big beards. <laughs> you don't get that <laughs> enough at Wait, that's what this podcast is. <laughs> the Viking show just reminds me of that commercial that I think is hilarious. Is it a Netflix commercial? It's, it's a bad commercial, obviously, because it doesn't tell you what it is. But hmm. when everybody's telling the guy what to watch, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the people in the elevator, all the like bros, just watch Suits. Suits, bro. It's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, I like that one. So, that's been good. And I finished uh, first season of Deadwood. God, that's such a good series. Good show. Can't okay. believe I put it off. It's like masterful ver- vulgarity in that show. I need to give that show another shot. Yeah, I, I a couple of years ago, I watched the first three episodes or so, and it was just kind of a drag. I think I tried to watch it too casually, and maybe the... the language is like almost Shakespearean, but yeah. with the word cocksucker, like every couple words. <laughs> right. <laughs> just the way Al Swearengen in that show, Ian McShane says, cocksucker. <laughs> it's like... This is like a verbal ballet. It's like the it's, just, it's some of the best dialogue. That's the most I've, pleasing. I've heard to that from, to. from friends of ours. That, yeah, that swear up and down. It's one of the best shows ever. Yeah, but that's me. I'll go. I, I don't think I'll take long. Uh, I watched. Uh, this was a rewatch. Hot Fuzz. I love that. Movie. Love, love Hot Fuzz. Love. Great big bushy beard. Yeah, love <laughs> uh, I love all the Edgar Wright movies. Yeah, There's me too. Just so many people in Hot Fuzz. There's like so many cameos throughout that movie. I, I loved it, especially at the beginning, the police station, mm. Martin Freeman yeah. and uh, uh, Bill Nighy. Bill Nighy. Yeah, that, that movie's just incredible. I love the, uh, the the cuts in that movie are so funny. Mm-hmm. Like the normal cop movie the, where it's the like, action sh- cuts, yeah. but then there'll be a cut scene where it's just like grabbing a pencil, writing his name down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. That was a really like, really great physical comedy in that. They've got the the twins who are also detectives. Mm. All of them like kind of peering into frame and then trying to do it together. <laughs> <laughs> Love hot fuzz. Yeah, uh, that's good. That's good uh, then went to the theater. I'm trying to. I think this. I think the podcast is helping me go see movies more this year now, mm. which is a lot of fun. Uh, I went to see Kong Skull Island, Kong. which was so much fun. 
It was a lot of fun. I definitely recommend that for a couple hours of popcorn eating and soda drinking. Nice. Plus, you got got to get your Brie on. Oh, I love Brie Larson. (laughs) Yeah, actually, although she actually might be... One of my complaints about the movie is that I love Tom Hiddleston and... uh, Brie Larson and they just they don't have much to do and it's <laughs> they could have just done each other I mean it's I, I would have maybe I wouldn't have scrapped weird uh, I wouldn't have scrapped I wouldn't have scrapped too much of John C. Riley has a much larger role than I expected in that movie but it's worth it it's, it's totally welcome because he is hilarious and awesome Sam Jackson maybe too big of a role in the movie for me maybe more, a little more John Goodman would have been good and a little more of the, the I mean for two I, I can't imagine a lead character who's had less to do in an action movie than Tom Hiddleston in, nice. in this, unless you consider the lead character Kong, mm-hmm. in which case he has a lot to do. <laughs> He's titular. Yeah. Um, the fight scenes are fun. All the different Skull Island monsters are great. It's fun. Also, if anybody goes to see it, stay for the post credit scene. Worth it. One of, <laughs> one of my favorites. Nice. Is it, got, the, got Thanos in the Infinity Gauntlet? <laughs> Sitting. He's, he's, he's finally got the stones. chair. <laughs> it's like, are the stones here? Um, no? Okay. Uh, I watched a movie uh, after hearing uh, David talk about it last week, Coraline. I watched Coraline and loved it. Thought it was really, really, really good. Before? I'd not seen Coraline before. Coraline's I thought it was charming. Super creepy. Yeah. Charming and creepy. Yes. Yeah. Like her. She is She is a very lovable character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coraline is. Surrounded by a bunch of maniacs. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty horrific. Like that's, yeah. a, that's a good horror story. I did not realize it was a horror yeah. story when it's, I it's legit. started watching it. Uh, after that, I, I rewatched another horror story, which uh, was very clear it was a horror story. Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Uh, the first Cloverfield. Nice. I love Cloverfield. Yeah. Cloverfield starring T.J. Miller. I was going to say, I, and uh, it's presented as that other guy, but uh, you're talking the girl. Yeah, the girl from uh, the sex show. And Mean Girls, too. And um, uh, Party Down. Lizzie yeah. Kaplan. Yes. Yeah, Lizzie yeah. Kaplan. Uh, but yeah, it's it's presented as the other guy's the main character. Yeah. But then at the end of the movie, you, you sit back and think, eh, T.J. Miller's the main character in yeah. this movie. I like how the, the camera's the main character. Yeah. He, he's like 80% of the lines. Uh, but yeah, that movie was fun. I forgot was good. Our, fun I'll never forget seeing the trailer for that. Yeah. And like everybody talking about like, what the fuck is this? Because it didn't give you a title. It didn't give you a release date. It was yeah. just the Statue of Liberty head like rolling, rolling down the thing. I remember we had decided it was uh, what was the cartoon when we were little with the lines that came from outer space? The like robotic lines? Pardon? <laughs> I'll look it up. We'll talk about it later. Wait, Lion. are you talking about Thundercats? No. <laughs> Lion Kings. Um, Independence Day? Talk amongst yourselves. Those Lion, are lions. Lion King 3. I like this better though. It's a race against TJ's fingers. To <laughs> space lions. What did you Google? Space cats? <laughs> More roar. Voltron. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, Voltron. Line Force Voltron. Literally what it's called. <laughs> Features a team of astronauts who pilot a giant super robot known as Voltron. Sounds like I described it pretty well. Is he space lions? Is he lion? lions from space? <laughs> where, are you, where are they from? They're from like, Canada? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, there's Clover, a rumor Clover 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 good. <laughs> We figured it out. <laughs> it's just like Voltron. <laughs> it's great. Uh, my turn? Yeah. Oh, well, oh. let me just... Uh, yeah, I haven't played anything, and I'm trying to... Oh, TV. Survivor. Survivor. Yeah. It finally happened. Yeah. Yeah. She gone. The queen of the queen, dead. The queen, queen dead. don't stay queen. Is that Sandra? Yeah. But she did also, like I said in the beginning, called it. Yeah. Like she she went to the tribal, and she was like... 
Can't. I can't yeah, get I think, out of this. I think I'm done. I can't <laughs> yeah. get out of this. It was amazing. It was, uh, and the most stunning display of idiocy. I started the part about Ty by doing a little interview with Ty going like, I'm not that smart. And then they did travel council, and Jesus is Ty not smart. <laughs> right. Almost self-destructed. There was a point where... I don't the, think he did. Where was, Zeke and the other guy, I don't think that he... That, that, would, that would be a master class. But then why were there no votes for Ozzy? It makes no sense. Todd didn't vote for Ozzy, which, which does mean that he... The, the, the votes went the exact way you thought they were going to go from the beginning. The hard thing, though, is that it doesn't benefit Ty at all to do that. I don't see... Right. What yeah, there are multiple they're things fighting against both sides, yeah. is all I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's not obvious that one or the other happened. I think he was trying to do something smart, and he just happens to be an idiot, so it came off in a really poor way. And all four yeah. people believed him? That's what's surprising. Yeah, the thing was, is like when Zeke and the other guy had that look where they were like, when Ty was like imploding or masterclassing, they both looked at each other like, mm, like maybe now we get rid of Ty. Yeah. For, Which, me, for me, the idiot of the episode, though, is Culpepper for being stunned and surprised when JT was voted. Like... When, when the traps come out and he's like, oh no, JT's gone. You did this, you idiot. Yeah, of course yeah. he's gone. Ugh, moron. Also, Return of Cochran, which uh, I don't know if you've seen the Cochran to, seasons, yeah. but he's one of my favorite survivors ever. And, and he had to endure a nightmare of being alone on the boat. I felt Debbie. so bad for him because <laughs> he's psycho, he's man. such a strategic minded. He's so smart, and uh, he's sitting. He gets sent Debbie, <laughs> just the just a pile of mud, basically yeah. in terms of intellect. And yeah. uh, and he call, he calls her out on it too. He's like he's like I've seen your previous seasons. I know that, that that one of the things that you do wrong is you don't think that anyone's out to get you. Yes. And he then he asked her like. Are there any threats back at camp? She's like, nope, no threats. So, <laughs> I'm good. One episode after, she melted down and yelled at everyone. Yeah. <laughs> he, yelled, yelled at everyone on a lie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I would love for them to do that more, with, especially with Cochran. I would love for him to be like a, a coach for people. <laughs> they get one night with Cochran to coach. One night coach with Cochran? Yeah. I'd highly recommend going back and watching Cochran's two seasons because they're super fun. He is the... Funniest cast, uh, funniest uh, castaway they've ever had. Cool. That's it for for me. I have some TV shows, but nothing. Haven't finished a season, so I'm not gonna talk about it. Uh, I finished Derek, and highly recommend it to anybody. Um, it's streaming on Netflix. It's 12, 20 minute episodes. They're amazing. It's one of the sweetest shows of. I've ever seen is really really good, and I think Ricky Gervais is amazing in it. It's a mockumentary style. I think I talked about it some last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like the office works at a uh, nursing home, probably autistic. The Ricky Gervais character is just really good. We also finished Planet Earth two, which nice. uh, yeah is an incredible nature doc, just as good as Planet Earth. Uh, went to the movie theater. It's all life. The movie that does not start yeah, so we discussed last we week. We apologize uh, <laughs> for being racist. We thought we thought the black, good-looking British guy was Idris Elba, and when we saw the trailer for that movie, it's not. Even after TJ watched the movie, I didn't know. He still <laughs> thought it was Idris Elba. Well, I never, I've never realized that. Only thing I've seen Idris Elba in is his. Two episodes of The Office. And Thor. And Thor, because I've never seen The Wire. I've never seen Luther. Mm. So, those are the the two things I need to see. But life was bad. (laughs) Very bad movie. Don't go see life. Life sucks. It looked good. Uh, Yeah, life life sucks. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, I think I gave it two and a half stars on Letterboxd. It's just not good. What would get a one and a half? Like, I always make up this movie and say, this is the movies that I reserve for one star. It's like Mean Girls 2. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. that's the... Those are movies still. They have to get rated something. And it's 
it was better than that. <laughs> but and then I also watched a movie that David talked about last week. Um, a rewatch from I hadn't seen it in probably twelve or thirteen years. Forgot how vulgar this movie is, but I watched Mystery Alaska. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> super vulgar. And like raunchy, huh. lots of sex scenes, lots of cussing. It's rated R. Weird. I, th- I think I called it a Disney movie when like during a podcast last week. Then I watched it. And I was like, oh no! <laughs> My parents let me watch this, but yeah, it's it's Mary McCormick. <laughs> yeah, the like fourth build character doesn't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> the actor doesn't. <laughs> like, what is this movie? <laughs> but it was it was fun. It was, it was a good a good watch. And that's it for me. I didn't watch much. Uh, one thing that I did watch, second season of Love. I know that TJ's talked about it, but oh, yeah. the second season of Love is out. It's really good. Yeah. It, it's, it's We're a, watching it right now, too. It's, a, it's such a hard show to watch, that Apatowian awkwardness, and it's especially amplified because Paul Rust is just... Like, so nerdy. Man. It's rough. You can't watch an episode of that and not think, like, how are they going to screw this up? Like... In, even when they are like in love and doing well, it's like you guys don't really. This doesn't. You don't deserve this. Well, there's even an episode in the second season where Paul Rest character says like, "When well, I'm having a good day, I'm wondering when is it gonna? When is there gonna yeah. be something happens?" Yeah. So it actually voices that. Yeah, it's just it is really good though. I'm looking forward to another Netflix original that I know was divisive. But part two of The Get Down is out. Mm. I don't know if you guys watched The Get Down. I know this doesn't really count for what I watched. But it's just a lot of fun. It's, you know, a fictional retelling of how hip-hop and, like, the b-boy movement swept through New York City. Fun. Told from the perspective of, like, three different people in different aspects of it. And it is, it just mythologizes all of it. And I had a great, great time watching it. Nice. Um, but that's basically it. I guess Spring Breakers was on yesterday. Oh, yeah. Me and Chris halfway watched Spring Breakers. Yeah. It's not it's, good. <laughs> it felt like, and the first half of that movie, watching it with like a friend feels like, like inviting a friend over to watch porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I felt icky. Yeah. Typical Saturday. <laughs> yeah. 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 We do that on Saturday. It's normally a Tuesday thing. Yeah. <laughs> I probably watched something else, but I don't remember. Obviously, it impacted my life that heavily. I watched a lot of stuff on YouTube. Lots of, still lots of 8 out of 10 cats and countdown and cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> not, not telling you guys. Keep nice. it to myself. <laughs> All right. Playing it close to the vest. And that's Chris. In a nutshell. Transition. All right, for a quick uh, news segment, uh, Brent uh, tipped off uh, a news story. <laughs> Scoops. I mean, I'm, I'm working the streets out there for you guys. Brent Scoops Blackwell. He's got a hat and a typewriter and everything. Breezy on the streets. <laughs> Another segment of Breezy on the streets. Um, there are some rule changes that came out for the Oscars. You can't escape us talking can't about the Oscars. can't escape the Oscars. You thought you were out and we pulled you back in. Um, two rule changes that are kind of interesting. One is they are now making serialized docs with multiple segments ineligible for best documentary at the Oscars. Oscars. Something so, I think all four of us are, are specifically happy about. targeting ESPN. With yeah, that. yeah. So I think in unison we should just say you're you're welcome to everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's it's our petitioning that yeah. led to this role change. Oscar heard our plea. Yeah, I hear people say that it was really good documentary and or show or whatever, regardless of what it whether it should be eligible. Yeah, but at the same time, there's a lot of good stuff this year in people's minds that. Uh, didn't get recognition and it took a slot. Yeah. You know, for that reason. Right. Because if you have eight hours to tell a story versus 
an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be more in depth and enriching. Sure. Part part of the art of the documentary is editing it right. into a uh, bite size. Yeah, bite size. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. So I think we're just across the board fans of that. Yes. I think they got a lot of flack for that. Um, The second one that's kind of a a mix of pros and cons is uh, currently for Best Animated Picture, there's a group of a branch of animators that choose all the nominees. This is how you have strange animated movies you've never heard of or from foreign languages. And sometimes crowd-pleasing movies that have great reviews sometimes get snubbed out of there. We're thinking like the Lego movie. The rule change. Secret Life of Pets, yeah. And we're all brokenhearted that Sing didn't make it. But the change is that uh, now the nomination is going to come for Best Animated Feature to every member of the Academy. It's going to have a chance to nominate something. So it could lead to, you know, movies like uh, Lego Movie, maybe uh, the Lego Batman movie this year getting in. Minions 8 or (laughs) whatever the hell. I just really hope that isn't the consequence of this. That's the other part is like uh, maybe this year instead of like the, you guys saw the Red Turtle. You know, it's an interesting experimental movie. It's technically foreign language, but there's no dialogue. Mm. You know, maybe that would have been Trolls. (laughs) <laughs> right, Cars Three. Yeah, I just whatever. think uh, I'm a little apprehensive about this. The animated department does go pretty insular about movies that are not going to be even available by the Oscars, or some movie animated movies that really seem bizarre, and you know you don't even know if they're good or not, mm-hmm. let alone if you understand them. But uh, you could have foreign animated movies like Studio Ghibli stuff could maybe not get in the field. Right, and this the Studio Ghibli movies. You know, those are some of the best animated movies. You know, across the board. Yeah. Kubo and the Two Strings had very little people see it. Maybe it didn't make it in this year's race. Yeah, it was possible. It's it's a, you know, that's a sad consequence if it happens. I don't know, maybe they'll look to correct that in some other way down the road. But, you know, you just go back to, they didn't nominate Lego Movie. And Lego Movie was, I thought, far and away the best animated movie of the year. And lots of animators coming out and saying, like, we aren't fans of that style of animation. Right. Like saying, like, we are personally attacking that movie because we don't like the way it's done. So maybe it it's not be... fair to the hand-drawn people to nominate this movie for an Oscar. Like, when you come out and say that publicly, you, shit like this is going to happen. It's your fault. And, yeah. and maybe this is a topic for another podcast, but I think it would be better for them to have a Best Work in Animation Oscar. Yeah, I heard you mention that. Separately from... Pre-show meeting. Right. Then yeah. you can... <laughs> Then you could have. Then you can omit Lego Movie if you want. You can pull Kubo out of visual effects and put them in Best Animated. Yeah, or, but yeah, or, the, or all three. Yeah. yeah, but if the category is Best Animated Movie or Best Animated Feature, Lego yeah. Movie by far the best reviewed, the most well liked by audiences. Well written. Well written. The same kind of thing happened to uh, Secret Kills, which is great. Yeah, I think beat out uh, Cloudy with a chance of meatballs yeah. for a nomination that year. Mm. Um, and I think it's the same guys, or maybe the same animators. Um, As what? Lego? Am I wrong? Who did Clive the Chance of Meatballs? Yeah. It could be. Yeah, yeah it's uh, Lord and Miller. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they just don't like the way those guys work. Yeah, which, which is, is annoying. Stupid. I love the Chance Cloudy of the Chance yeah. yeah, and the sequel's good, too. Yeah. And like I said, nothing against Secret of Kells, just like nothing against the Red Turtle or Kubo, obviously, but... These guys screwed up their, yeah, when you, their position. Right. Also, when also, you're getting people like movies that make a ton of money, that look great, that everybody loves, and you're keeping them out of the end-all, the Super Bowl of movie watching, hmm. uh, because you don't like you don't think it's fair how they're doing it, because yeah. they're, it's they're, they're young being... indie computer dudes. Like, 
This is what you get. Yeah. Also, if, if they now that this is public, if that branch of animators wants to see their indie darlings get nominated, they can all throw their votes behind it, and it'll probably get past the threshold. But I also just like the idea that now we're, I don't, I don't know how it'll work, but we're probably going to be guaranteed five animated movies a year, and not the weird stuff where one year we had three, yeah. and you know, another year there was, there was two. I know I just... It wasn't yeah. that year, but I remember the year that like Lego Movie. I wish this would expand to other Oscar categories. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The year the Lego Movie was nominated, there were two songs nominated for Best Original Song. It was Everything Is Awesome. That was another year. Yeah, the Muppets year where that. Oh, was Muppets year. Is that yeah. up against the the song from Rio? Yeah, I hate when they kind of like ghetto wise categories like that. Yeah. Like yeah, you should have five. Yeah, yeah. It's like saying songcraft or animated movies aren't as good as production design or costumes. Right. I mean, and, you you, you got to feel real shitty as a songwriter or to have written an original song that you thought was great. It got used in a movie, and not just that you didn't get nominated, but because they had open spots left. Yeah. And they just opted to nominate. Look, Brett McKenzie getting Oscars kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but yeah, just the, the idea that these animators have gotten together in the past and been like. There are only three animated movies that are worthy of this. Right. Year. Here are the three. This is the cost of uh, elitism. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I totally and agree. Shit, shit like this got Trump elected. <laughs> 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 Pretty much. Oh, shit. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. All right, I think that's uh, good for that news segment. Mm-hmm. Thanks for uh, running down the clue. Running down the. <laughs> yeah. I'll hit the, the streets leads. again tomorrow. <laughs> seeing what I can see. Breezy on the streets. Breezy on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and going to our main topic, we're talking kind of the inverse of last week. We're talking about movies that are fresh on Rotten Tomatoes that we think are dog shit or that we don't think deserve that designation. Um, This is going to be tougher and, for myself, not as much fun as last week. (laughs) It's fun to, like, you know, movies that are underrated to talk about them. I think we as a group like to like movies and we don't like to we don't like to see a movie we don't enjoy it's it's it, there's less passion behind the hate I think and it, it's rare for our group too I think it also feel bad like shitting on a movie too because I, I think it's I listen to Leonard Maltin's podcast and mm-hmm. he has a frequent quote which is nobody sets out to make a bad movie and right. you know that's his approach as a critic which mm-hmm. is like if you don't like it fine you can rate it horribly or whatever but just don't be mean like, yeah because it's these people for the most part Try their best. I feel like maybe Fantastic Four might be the movie where yeah that process may have fallen apart a little bit. But no one was really no one was really no trying. Was, like we got the flame guy, the invisible girl, the stretchy man, and I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's also that movie. The rights were expiring. If they didn't make a movie, like the rights were going to res- revert back to another studio. Uh, yeah. So they kind of had to make it financially, or they would lose the rights. Get it on film. Get it on film. Get it on film. Ah oh, shit. Anyway, <laughs> that's one, that's not a movie for this category because it is almost. Yeah. Certainly not certified fresh. Right. As some qualifiers here, what we're considering fresh is uh, at least seventy five percent with at least forty reviewers to make sure we don't have some some uh, margin stuff that you know we don't need to talk about a documentary with one. Yeah, because there's, there's fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is sixty and up, and there's certified fresh, which is seventy five and up with at least forty reviews. So we're doing certified fresh, right. and uh, our our qualifier here may differ from person to person. Mm-hmm. About what we're considering as, uh, you know, not worthy. It'd be a bad movie. I think I had a tough time finding bad movies in this bunch. So I did uh, maybe some that are severely overrated. I get them out of this. It's a little bit of a mix, too. But it'll be, it'll be fun. I'm excited. Anybody want to uh, volunteer a movie into the battle arena? Uh, I'll throw out. This is the first movie I thought of last week when we pitched this topic. And uh, critically acclaimed, The Tree of Life. Never uh, seen it. I've not finished it. 
Um, <laughs> Did you at least get to the Big Bang? Yeah, I got to the I got to the thirty minutes of creation, and uh, well, so you had to get cool. you had to get through all the whispering, and then that part's kind of cool, and then there's back to more whispering, and I, I don't I need to, I need to give that movie another shot, I guess. I remember I saw it at the time, you know, preparing for it. It was the Best Picture nominee, mm, yeah. but it was definitely a slog to get through. But I did enjoy it at the end. I think when it came out, it was pretty divisive because everybody, yeah. when everybody talks about it, it's like the freaking dinosaurs and universe shit in that movie. Yeah. Some of some of the uh, like slice of life stuff, Brad beautiful Pitt camera work. Kids, yeah. Like it's always like sunset or you know sunrise with that movie and seeing. Uh, I can see it. I mean, it's very divisive and it's it's a slog to get through. Yeah, yeah. it is like. I think it's almost three hours. Yeah. It just feels that way. It is. Oh, yeah. it, 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 no, it really is. The, I think that the runtime is maybe like two hours and 50 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it is Terrence Malick at his Terrence Malickiest. Yes. Yes. It's, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, if, I think if, if you, it's not a movie to watch going in expecting plot. Which or, or like which, entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> it's more just, you know, if you want to see Terrence Malick's creative direction that's his showcase and i could certainly watch it again and possibly even love it down the road i've just as of now this time that we're doing this topic <laughs> i hate it <laughs> yeah do dude are we gonna keep going down yeah. my list sure why not? okay sure uh i'll throw out this movie it's i didn't have as strong a dislike for this movie it just i don't know i did not enjoy watching it an education with carrie mulligan hmm. and uh scars guard scars guard scars guard scars scars guard uh, yeah, I mean, it was... Carrie Mulligan was very... Uh, I don't know. She's very good in her role in that movie. I just... It's a downer. That, that whole movie is a downer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the movie. You know, you, the movie is the performance of Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Everything else is extraneous. Right. It's kind of like one of those gymnastic movies. Uh, that sounds sexist, but... In terms of the score, about your points possible, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a minor story about this, this, this woman and her coming-of-age story. For that, I thought it was pretty good at the time. Yeah. I don't know watched it again, though. My next movie is, uh, for me, Tim Burton at his Tim Burtoniest, and it's uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, just because... It's on my list. Um, on my list, too. <laughs> it's, it's completely unnecessary. We already have a great movie about that. You made a bad one. And you just made an irritating one. And I always, I always thought it was funny that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is about Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is about Charlie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like... But, and the, the movie, like the Tim Burton movie, is so soulless. Yeah. Like the, the Gene Wilder one has, has so much like uh, soul and warmth to it. Yeah. Johnny Depp is at his Johnny Deppiest. Well, of like taking a quirk <laughs> and said like, I'm going to be completely like an alien human being. Yeah. He spends Hans more time sucking on his teeth and like while people are talking to him. Well, he's got those big fake veneers in it that just look yeah. just weird. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he, took, he took as inspiration Michael Jackson to be Willy Wonka, and that just makes... It just unsettled that's, me. That's weird. Because he's inviting that? children into his factory. It's just like, there's a moral <laughs> part of that that... Yes, go in the chocolate. Let's climb a tree. <laughs> uh, I got a couple movies that I don't know how they are. 75 plus like these other movies I get why they're highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes I just don't like them but uh, these movies were a genuine surprise Space Cowboys yeah is Ooh, weird. 75 on I Rotten Tomatoes Cowboys younger <laughs> <laughs> well you like that movie is so dumb <laughs> yeah 
Space lions. They're space lions. Space, yeah. <laughs> what is the plot device in that? Because they have to go. It, they have to go save me? the world because. Fine, don't let me have my jokes. Yeah, don't don't joke about You're, space. The, I think the, I think this was pitched as you know how John Glenn went into space when he was old. What if there were four of John Glenn? <laughs> Make it. Uh, and also stunning. Is uh, Indiana I Jones? I've seen Space Cowboys like eight times. <laughs> <laughs> You're really defensive of it. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is over seventy five on Rotten Tomatoes. I was shocked. That was that was on mine too. I dislike that movie. And I dislike what it just did to that franchise. Yeah, it seems like a cash grab. It made it silly. I mean, I don't. I don't think that, that the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies are really good movies. I don't think they are either. Yeah, they are not overrated. I, I think Raiders is fantastic. I, 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 I have a soft spot for Raiders, but as like as a whole, I get why people are protective of them. I understand why people like them. Like, I, it makes sense that all of them would be certified fresh. So, yeah. Crystal Skull, it doesn't seem that outside the park for me. I just think it completely perverts what is interesting about uh, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a supernatural kind of like historical element to it. And as soon as you get aliens, I feel like it is... I think, I think it betrays what's interesting about that. But they open a box and it melts Nazis' faces. What's How's that... Like, we were talking about this last night. I was like... I'm not like... That the, is like a real thing though, the Ark. It is like a thing in history. But it didn't least. do that. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's like a... It, it's, it's, it's not introducing something from outside. Like... That's the cool thing is that they're taking and sort of like National Treasure does in that you take things from history and you you write fiction about them and make them fun. Whereas this is just aliens. I do see your point. I'm not saying that it, it <laughs> like betrays the realism of Indiana Jones. I just think I don't know. There's like a supernatural tract of it of like yeah sure ghosts hundred percent like maybe demons and temples yeah but I, I get off at aliens I guess I don't know just personally it just felt. I think I think it was just a different track. I think it's one of those movies that's hard to pinpoint why it's shitty because it's just shitty. Yeah, I, I also agree. Crystal Skull sucks. Yeah, um, I also feel that like you you can feel that George Lucas and Spielberg don't care anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like actively. I mean, there's the people like to. And I did. Me and Chris were talking last night a little bit. I was bitching about people bitching about the bomb in the refrigerator which is like an iconic thing that people like to bitch about mm-hmm. and it's not that he got in the refrigerator and he was saved by a nuclear bomb I've already suspended my belief enough because I'm watching an Indiana Jones movie that I've seen him jump out of a plane in a raft like that's just as baloney you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah ooh strong words yeah baloney <laughs> get off it you'll never Space Cowboys stop you'll never be able to take that back TJ um, but what's what's annoying in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull which I watched the first time a couple of weeks ago is that they zoom in on the refrigerator where it's like lead-lined refrigerator. Like, they're trying to make me like, this could happen, though. It's like, <laughs> shut up. Stop. <laughs> the uh, last movie on my list is just a movie that I have a palpable hate for, and that is uh, the well-reviewed uh, Blue Valentine. Oh. Hmm. I just, I hate that movie. Is it too cute for you? Cute. No, it's just no, it's, too miserable. It's horrifyingly depressing. <laughs> yes. It is. I liked it a lot. I liked yeah, it a lot, too. too. It's, it's, a, it's a tough hang, but... Yeah, it's super sad. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I, I just. I finished that movie, and I just. I was like, mm. I hate them both. I hate both those characters. I, they, they deserve. They deserve this sadness. I just hated it nice. so much. My list is a little longer. I'll hit the highlights. Uh, so we'll start with this one. The highlight. Uh, the movie Zathra. Jumanji in space. Got a seventy-five somehow. What still, the hell? Still in the space kick, man. God, I don't understand how that movie was not like a twelve. 
there's some that everybody likes that I don't like. I think 12 Years a Slave is vastly overrated. <laughs> the Oscar winner. It's in the 96. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, man. I thought it was, and I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, it was Blue Valentine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get enemies on this between the four of us. Yeah. I watched Paddington, which is a 98. It is not a 98. It's no space cowboys. It's no space cowboys. <laughs> I was gonna slap the shit out of all y'all. There's Brent's baby videos. They're ninety. They're fucking horrible. <laughs> Peter Travers loved them though. That's how they're a ninety. I just gotta. I'm glad. I think I'm gonna go last because someone's gonna say like your wedding video was a piece of shit. Uh, here's one that I actually didn't like that everybody loved at the time, and I was told to watch. It got 89. percent um, I thought it was boring as shit, and I really wanted to like it. Moon. I've oh, never oh. been a fan of Moon. Ashley feels the same way as you about Moon. It I've could, never seen it. It could be inflation adjusting for that about inflation of people's view, people's uh, opinions. Yeah, because it's like it's a small movie. It should have just remained a small movie that was kind of interesting. Yeah. But it gets talked up as... Uh, was it one of our favorite movies of the year? I don't think so. Yeah. But it's it's in that sphere for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just, I, think, I think it's an interesting movie. Yeah. I like uh, it. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things, like, once you started seeing the multiples, and it's like, Kevin Spacey's the voice, it's so cool. And I was just <laughs> like, I watched it, and I was like, okay, this seems like it's been done many times. Uh, another one that's kind of in the same vein that I thought was not super great, I do see why it's important, but not a movie I'll ever watch again, was Blade Runner. Not real hot Blade Runner. Oh. Did you watch, uh, I've heard that um, it depends on which version you watch. Did you? Do you know if you watch the director's cut, or if you watch the uh, theatrical release, or... I don't. You know? No. I've heard the the director's cut is one of the director's cuts is uh, yeah. the way to go. That. That's, that's the thing with Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. Apparently he doesn't have a lot of say over his movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, really, I really love that movie. Nice. Not anything I'd ever push on anybody. I just, I found it kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then real quick, I've got three or four more. I'll just name them off. Live Free or Die Hard is 82. Uh, Weird. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that, is that the fourth one? Yes. Or the fifth one? It's the fourth it's one. It's the fifth with, one. Live for your die hard. I thought that was the one with Justin Long. Yeah, and the computer terrorism. Oh, Timothy Olin in Russia with his son. Oh, which was a good day to die hard. A uh, good day to die hard. That is one. I don't know which one's which. I don't, I think, know. I don't know either. I think Live for your die hard is, is the, one that Kevin Smith came the fourth out? one because it's very Philly centric. I think you're right. I think so. I, I thought that one was surprisingly good. I was surprised I, that I enjoyed it. I was it. also surprised by it, but I don't. I think it's that good. No, it's like a 60. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Hellboy 2 is an 85. I liked Hellboy 1. I did not like Hellboy 2. I liked it. Anybody ever see Stardust? Yeah. It's a 76. It's awful. Yeah, it's a pretty crap movie. I like the song. I think the song's fine for the movie, but I hated uh, Frozen, and it's an 89. Pretty tropey Disney movie. The live-action Cinderella is an 83. It also got an A for an Oscar. It's got two Game of Thrones people in it. It was boring. Yeah, it's boring as shit. But it's yeah. got Rob Stark, and Rob Stark's like butler guy is the black guy from what's the name of the city? The greatest city that ever was and ever will be. The guy she locks in the vault. Illyria, uh, no, not Illyria Malpatis. Yeah, the pirate guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Jackie Brown also is on my list. Speaking of uh, movies, like I looked at tossing that last one. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, eighty-seven. Uh, I, I think I've talked y'all about it before. I think it's by far Tarantino's worst. I really. Uh, I liked Jackie Brown, but I also have it fairly low on my Tarantino rankings. And I know a lot of people have it either extremely high or extremely low. Um, 
Also, oh, y'all are extremely hot. I was going to say, yeah, I was gonna say uh, <laughs> I looked up one movie to see if, because I, I was like, ooh, I know a movie. Oscar nominated. I hated it. So boring. Looked it up, and critics also hated it. Just happened to be nominated for an Oscar, and that was uh, Into the Woods. Oh, yeah. 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 Very mixed reviews. What Didn't make the cut. Kind of anyway. dumb movie. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going th- to throw up my list uh, real quick, and then you guys can tell me anything you agree or disagree about. I have The Santa Claus. The movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Informant. I like that movie. The movie was boring as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Drumline. I like Drumline. Well, I like you drums. Just, you just like Drumline because it was shot at Georgia Tech. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Ransom. Uh, Ransom was fun. Happy Feet. I love Happy Feet. Happy Feet's garbage. You're garbage. <laughs> and then uh, one that I saw recently and I will talk about something. I haven't seen it. Cop Car. It is this weird movie where these two kids in the middle of like a farm find an abandoned cop car. And Kevin Bacon is a dirty police officer who was using that to like does he need to like shower bury a witness used. who he's trying to make disappear and so these kids steal this cop car and they're trying to run away from Kevin Bacon the whole movie and it's just fucking bad. Do you, you start you saw you saw wild things and you just confused them. Say, <laughs> if, if, if Kevin Bacon's a dirty cop who needs a shower, I'm pretty sure we're talking about wild things. <laughs> Do you start cheering on Kevin Bacon to kill the kids? Uh, no, you just, it's just kind of on. You don't really have a hard time. I think that the kids are really good at it. They really sell, like, we're kids and this is what 10-year-old boys who have nothing to do do. Like, in, in the woods when you're, like, playing around, like, they see the cop car and they're like, let's, like, who, let's see who can hit him with the rock first. And they just throw rocks at it. You know, but it's it's not a good movie. It's 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So I was going to make a joke about the... What do you do? What do you see your old kids do when they're in the woods and see a cop car? It's like, let's masturbate on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do when you're ten. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, so that's my list. Okay, I'll 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 take Chris's uh, Chris's lead and kind of just go through them. If you got something to say, say it. Or <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> you're good with me. Speak. Explicit you don't warning. Shut the fuck up. Intolerable cruelty. One of the worst Coen Brothers movies. I don't know why it's seventy five percent. The Hateful Eight. I don't like it. I think it's overrated. It's a 75 uh, Seabiscuit. Oscar oh. nominee. Oh, God. I, didn't I know. think there's nothing that differentiates that movie from a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so generic. And, I don't know. I just did. I disliked it. Is War Horse review, reviewed well? I think so. I would put I, that I haven't seen list. it. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. But I also just. I just cannot watch a movie where the protagonist is a fucking horse. What was the other, <laughs> what was the other horse movie? Me? The War Horse of sports films. <laughs> <laughs> where it was like a little horse that... My Little like, Pony? His <laughs> cowboys? <laughs> fucking shoot both of y'all. <laughs> me and David forever. Y'all two can go fuck yourselves. Well, just wait until he lists space cowboys on this. Yeah, just, just wait. Oh, I'll fucking go it alone. <laughs> Do they ride ponies in space? <laughs> Hilarious, Brent. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Next, uh, I have a whole bunch, but I won't talk about all of them. I, I, I thought Flight was pretty garbage. I don't know. I watched, oh, I watched the wreck crash scene on YouTube. It was cool. Never saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the movie, I think, I don't even know what it is trying to say. I don't even know why it's a movie. Should just be investigators a are clip. mean. Is that the point of? <laughs> it's like yeah, there's too much red tape. Let the man fly, <laughs> fly. So you're supposed to sympathize with them. It's like describing the bottom space cowboys. The entire movie is like sympathizing with this guy, but it's like I don't want drunk coke-addled pilots. Right. Does that yeah. make me a bad guy? <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> I dislike uh, Prairie Home Companion, sadly. Yeah, that wasn't great. I really want it's it. It's the one that killed Robert Altman. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, also like 80-something years old. Oh, uh, Scarface, probably. Was... I, I wax and wane with it. I think it's a garbage movie, but it's so flashy that... I kind of like it sometimes. Other things, yeah. it's just a garbage movie. I don't know yeah. if I've talked about it here, but I think one of the major subplots of that is like he want he's in love with his cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it just feels icky. I think it's his sister. Is it his sister? Yeah, it's even worse. Yeah, I think it's his sister. And the murdering in cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, pick incest. <laughs> that's the <still funny. laughs> But that's the icky part. I will say there's and also on my my list is a bunch of Kevin Smith movies. I I. I'm not the hugest fan of Kevin Smith. But yeah. Chasing Amy, I don't think is a good movie. Oh, I love Chasing Amy. Go <laughs> <laughs> fuck yourself. I think there's a weird, like, uh, homophobia and misogyny in that movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Looking back on that's, it. That's an uncomfortable movie. I think it's an unlikable movie, and I just don't like it. For that reason. <laughs> it's not a good movie and I don't like it. I don't know why, but I think it's because it's not a good movie. Also, I didn't like The Aviator. Scorsese movie about Howard Hughes. Oh, I think it was slightly overrated. I don't know if I would say I didn't like it. but It was, the, it was uh, I think I was like 18 when I saw it. It was one of the first movies where I realized what editing was and realized that was a horribly edited movie. Yeah. <laughs> that should have been like, there's an hour and a half's worth of movie in a two hour, 30 minute movie. Just like Leonardo DiCaprio sitting in a chair in an empty theater. I was like 18 years old and going, that was indulgent. (laughs) (laughs) Then listening to Weezer on the way home. (laughs) So that was indulgent and you like Dream of Life. Alright, just keep (laughs) on writing. Let's see what else. Star Trek Into Darkness is 87%. That's the second one. Yeah, I kind of liked it halfway throughout the movie, but I thought the second half was really bad. It it lost its way a little bit, I think. I agree. Um, It's the one that turned into an action movie, like the first Star Trek action movie ever. Yeah. Um, this is one that may be controversial. I don't like Waiting for Duffman. I don't like that movie. Huh. It's my I least favorite. also movie. don't, really. I th- I saw it once and I was disappointed. Because that's a movie that pops up like some people's favorite movies yeah. from that time period or of that year. I thought that it is a horribly muggy and making fun of people kind of movie. Making fun of theater actors that just like, they do what they can. I think it's a, it's a weird stance to take. And I just also don't think it's funny. It's like mean spirited. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, that, that's, like that's a, what he does, though. I mean, a Mighty Wind and oh, see, I, I saw, show do the exact same thing. I feel like a Mighty Wind is so reverent towards folk music, and like they're they're mocking it in a playful but a, like a appreciative way. Like Spinal Tap is a similar way. It's like mocking but appreciative. I don't think there's anything appreciative about Waiting for Government. I don't see how those are appreciative at all. Any of those four. I mean, they pretty much say you can be a rock star and be a fucking idiot. I mean, that's like a plot of the movie that they can just be dumb and do what they do. And I think they totally mock the folk music scene. And Best in Show is they mock all those people, I think. I mean, I see what you're saying. I think Waiting for Government is my least favorite of the four for sure, but I just, that's an odd reason to me because I feel like that's what he does in his mockumentaries. Also, didn't like uh, for your consideration as much either. Yeah, I kind of leave that to a side, yeah. separate thing. Did you see Mascots yet? No. All right. I'm, I, I just think I'm not a big Christopher Guest fan. I think I like a couple of the movies. Yeah. But. His entire oeuvre. <laughs> I, I don't like his. I just don't like his shit. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got well, a fucking smell it, David. <laughs> he's got a tone he does throughout everything. 
Yeah. Also, like, curiously, ants on here is 95% yeah, I thought, on tomatoes. I noticed that, too. Yeah. I, right. but I think it's just a really inoffensive movie. Maybe. It's I just laugh. weird that Woody Allen... <laughs> I laugh ant. a few times at ants. I laugh every time they say, you should have been here for the twig of 92. <laughs> I think that's a really clever joke. <laughs> the leaf falls from the land island. Everybody calm down. We're going to move around the leaf. Right, and maybe last one. I don't think it's as controversial. Uh, I did not like Hugo. It's at ninety four percent. Love Hugo. I haven't seen it. I, I did not like that movie. You haven't seen Hugo? Wow. I thought it was so clearly you just and broke Brent's heart. TJ. Well, fucking space cowboys. Deal with it. I thought it was so clearly a person who is a director for adult movies, patronizing to do kid stuff. And he does like a movie about George Melier and the beginning of cinema, like crammed in there. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's more. I feel like the kid stuff is more crammed in into a movie about cinema than yeah. the other way around. But it's ah, I love that movie. Just make me made me happy. Made me love movies more. Cute. Yeah, uh, it's my space cowboy. Like <laughs> you should check out this James Garner movie. I know it's called Space Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> What's it about? Cowboys from space. <laughs> All the young astronauts are dead. <laughs> and there's some other ones I think that are overrated, but I don't know. Keep your opinion. Yourself. Whatever. <laughs> we'll do an overrated podcast next. Get off next. my plane. That was another one that I almost put on, but I truly enjoy that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, I almost did that, but I like it. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Yeah, I almost put this movie on a list of movies I hate, but it turns out I love it, so it did not make the cut. Well, because I recognize it's not a good movie, uh, right? Yeah, but I like it. Well, that's like, yeah, most of mine, I recognize that they are good movies, I just hate them. Yeah. Yeah. Stop trying to have reason. Let's just continue with everybody being an asshole on this podcast. <laughs> or let's stop doing that. Yeah, let's stop doing it. Okay. We, we've kind of gotten through a, a slew of stuff. Like I said, this wasn't as fun to compile, but it was an interesting uh, mental kind of exercise. To it was more fun these. to record for me. I like going at each other. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. That, that is true. I uh, like I like how also I began with, uh, remember guys, nobody sets out to make a bad movie, so let's be nice. <laughs> that movie's garbage! <laughs> yeah, the end of it is like garbage, garbage. It was like a hit list. Yeah. <laughs> garbage, garbage. I kind of like that movie. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Basically all Kevin Smith sucks. <laughs> so this this podcast became the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hate waiting for Kevin. Oh, turns out I hate Christopher Guest. <laughs> Not just that one movie. All of them. So, title for this episode, We Are a Message Board. <laughs> or Message Board, the podcast. Comment section. Alright, so that's that's pretty much it. Uh, we can close it out by going into the homework assignment. I think Chris is our uh, teacher this week. Yeah, so I didn't really have deep thoughts about why I want to pick this, but it's on my list on Netflix to like watch it later, and I will probably never get around to watching it unless I force you guys to also. And it's the movie Filth, uh, James McAvoy, so it looks like it's going to be interesting. It's been on my Netflix queue for like years. Yeah. Years. <laughs> I never get up to go watch it too. Yeah, I, it's, I, I know nothing about this movie. So I heard I'm excited. I heard it's got a great James McAvoy performance. So. Yeah, it's. I, I don't want to talk about it then because I don't know if it serves it well to not know anything about it and just go. Yeah, I like going blind into movies. Yeah, yeah. but right, Phil Charles. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you know that famous movie goer. Yeah, so Phil. That's why I didn't like Tree of Life. <laughs> <laughs> I get blind into movies. I was like, what are they saying? Speak up! Speak up! <laughs> you have great stuff. <laughs> no, I just, yeah, all of it. Blind, deaf. I like to go Helen Keller into movies. I think Brent is Tommy. 
Thank God one of us is willing to take the, the death down a peg. No one knows who that was. Could have been any of us. Alright, so homework assignment is the movie Filth, streaming on Netflix. Yep, you got it. Let's go. Alright, All right, cool. So this was Talking Talk, the podcast for the Media By Us. Please visit the, visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter at the Media By Us. Email us via the Media By Us at gmail.com or our Facebook groups, Movies By Us, TV Bass, and Dead By Us. Chris, you should really do do this with your going full debate mode. Terms and conditions may apply. Uh, and we would love to hear from you for any podcast topics. As you can see, we're scraping the barrel again. <laughs> Next week, we're going to do a reverse of a topic we did three weeks ago. Next week, These we'll are do... movies that weren't nominated for Oscars. <laughs> what were your favorites? Next week, I'm going to look at Franklin and do movies with a dog <laughs> that are Oscar nominated. All right, so uh, in the long uh, run, we would love to hear from you podcast topics. Please subscribe to the podcast, and also really important is if you want to uh, and you have to, please give us a five star rating. Uh, rate us to, to get our uh, get our our dander up in the iTunes stuff, so more people can listen to us. Yeah, we would appreciate it, and we want to th- say thanks again to the Willow Walkers for providing the intro music. It's always a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, and. Uh, Thanks. We'll be in the show notes again for the outro music. Uh, we'll figure out what it is later. Mm-hmm. So I want to say thanks to Chris. Thanks. TJ. Hello. Brent. Yep. Myself. And James Gardner. <laughs> for joining <laughs> us <Cowboy>. today. <laughs> Yeehaw. And that's going to be it for episode 11 of Talkie Talk. Bye. Cowboys in space. Cowboys in space. <laughs> 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 if they full on embrace that. I saw that movie in the theaters. See it? Maybe. I don't know. When I saw it, when I saw the thing on the list, I was like, have I seen that movie? If I do, I don't remember it. I don't remember the plot device that put four old people on space. I feel like I could have a chance of reciting the dialogue now. <laughs> I hope you never have that chance. <laughs>